I haven't preached for about three or four years, I think. I don't know, COVID and some other years before that. And last night I was saying to my niece, I'm, I'm preaching for the first time in three or four years. Straight off the bat, she says to me, oh, don't worry. Either it's going to be awesome or it's going to be memorable. <laughs> I was like, oh, thanks for the encouragement. I love you too. Um, I've got some props. So I need to bring them up, and believe it or not, in the first service I picked this table up and the whole thing fell apart, I almost lost all the props. Um, this little pin was just like not in. I think someone was playing a prank on me. And the table fell apart, and anyway. Um, I've got another prop. I left it down here on purpose because I needed to show you my good form. I, be I believe that I would be an amazing waiter. Incredible. Because, some of you have picked it up, um, I use Prestic to hold everything on. Um, that's not actually the sermon today. Um, that was just my water I needed to get up here. Um, but, sorry. I really do think I'd be a good waiter because I'm funny, I'm, I clean up a little bit, and I'm fast on my feet, and I'm very humble. It's actually in here. I, I was getting there, but thanks for, for getting there faster. Um, no, actually, I've never actually been a waiter, by the way. I was always at youth on a Friday, played sports on Saturday, and then on a Sunday, I was playing the guitar. And so I never got, when I was 16, to, to the spur to like earn my tips as every like young person does and make a bit of money. Um, but I think I would be good because I like people and I like serving people. That's it, simple as that. But I have a friend, his name is Brett Fish. He might be online now. He was either online in the first service or the second service. He's down in Cape Town, and he is, I believe, a professional waiter. Not anymore, but when he was younger. He was at the Spur. I think he worked there for about 20 years. And he liked it so much just because he could smolts the crowd and get tips, more tips. I feel like this is too close to me. Um, he could just get more tips. He was just so good at luck that personal interaction, bringing you the right thing when you made a mistake, he would just smolts you and he would still get tips. But he tells me the story this week. I, I said, Brett, tell me a story from the spur that's awesome. So he says, I was there Friday night, it was pumping. I had like such a full section and I was spinning on my feet and trays and glasses and everything. And there was a couple, it seemed like they were on an anniversary and they ordered nachos to share. Oh, so cute. Um, so in the, in the kitchen I was, and the nachos come out on a very hot plate, obviously, because they're melting. So they put it on another slightly bigger plate, and he brings it over to them, and he's like, enjoy your meal. Then he turns to the next table, and he's like, are you guys ready for your drinks? And then he hears like a, <gasps> so he turns around, and true as Bob, on the bigger plate, there was the hot plate on top, right? A cockroach had come out <laughs> and had like just 
run down the table and then the couple were like, oh. And so Brett, he smiles to me. He's like, oh, I'm really sorry, 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 sorry. Let me get you some new nachos. And I think the majority of us are going like, let me get out of this restaurant because it has got cockroaches all over. And they were like, no, you didn't run on the food. It's fine. Now, that's not even the funny part of the story. The story goes, they had their nachos. Back in the day, you had to, you had to write your bill. And then you know some of the waiters, waitresses, they're like, write on there, oh, with love, or thanks for the whatever. So he goes and puts on there, one times nachos, 49.99, two drinks, surprise cockroach, 46.95. <laughs> and he totals it. This was before the computer. He's writing the bill. True as Bob, this couple thought he was so amazing that they paid for the cockroach. <laughs> Obviously, he took it as a tip. How amazing is that? Apparently, he's also served a hunter's dry milkshake, but that was just to make, make a joke. Anyway, that is my friend, a friend, Brett Fish. Today, we're going to start a new two-part series on hospitality. What is hospitality? We're calling it Be My Guest. Be My Guest. Beautiful. I want to teach you about a hashtag. Some people know, some people don't know. If you don't know, this is your time. If you do know, sorry. If you take any photos at church, if you take any like, lessons from the message, you want to post it on Twitter, just hashtag Be My Guest, and then other people that are on Twitter will see. So that's the hashtag that's going to be used for this two-part series, Jacques Preaching, next week. Just tag it, and then the message can get more legs, and possibly the fellowship will get more legs, or the worship, anything that happens at church for the next two weeks, hashtag, be my guest, put it on Instagram. What is hospitality? Um, a guy by the name of Horst Schultz, quite a lonely oak, he's quite special. He used to work at the Ritz-Carlton, and then he started the Capella Hotel Group, He's regarded as the leading hotelier in the world whose influence extends far beyond hospitality business. He says this, hospitality is the positive emotional response elicited in our guests whilst service is being delivered. Positive emotional response. He also said, people forget good service, but we always remember hospitality. They forget the good service. They're expecting the nachos to arrive with no cockroaches. But they remembered how Brett made them feel. Oxford English Dictionary says hospitality is the friendly and generous reception of our, and entertainment of our guests, our visitors, and or strangers. Friendly and generous reception and entertainment of our guests, visitors, or strangers. That's where we're coming to, hospitality today. Let's pray together. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for this message. Thank you for these people. And I pray that you'd speak to us now through your spirit. And may we learn and grow to be more like your son, Jesus. Amen. Whilst I was praying, I just remembered I didn't say hello to the people online, other than Brett. Um, thanks for being here. I'm sure my mom's there too. Okay, the scripture we're going to look at today, Hebrews 13, verse 1 to 3, it says this. 
Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if yourselves are being mistreated. Now let me give you a little bit of context as to where we've just come from. Hebrews chapter 12 was just before chapter 13, and Paul, he's writing to the Hebrews in chapter 12, and he's pretty much saying, guys, the God we serve is big. He's massive. He's incredible. He's majestic. He's powerful. And actually, he's a little bit terrifying. That's how awesome he is. This God is going to shake the heavens and the earth, and anything that's not of his kingdom will be shaken. Everything that is of his kingdom will not be shaken. So that's where he's coming to out of chapter 12. And then he gets to the last verse in chapter 12, and it says this, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Paul's trying to say, guys, acceptable worship of this big God from chapter 12 starts like this, chapter 13, loving each other, loving brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. Remember those mistreated, those imprisoned, those suffering. That is where acceptable worship begins, according to Paul in this. And so today, I've chosen three objects. There's more than three here, but you'll get to them. And we're gonna do an object lesson on hospitality, and hopefully we can all remember it. So the first one, hospitality is service. The tray. Let me tell you a little bit about this tray. It was my dad's tray. And for those of you who knew my dad, he was quite a fun guy. I love him a lot. Um, he used to say to me, bring all your mates around. When I was in high school, my mates wanted to be at my house. We had a pool table in the garage, dartboard, table tennis. My buddy would be like, come, tell your mates I've got bra. He would feed them, and he just loved people. New people, old people, young people, anyone my dad loved. He was a fitter and turner by trade, came out from the UK in, I think, late 50s or early 60s. Um, and then he started a little bit of a hospitality business himself. He owned a pie shop and then two pie shops. And, and that was in the early 70s. He named them Greasy's Pies. I was like, Dad, that sounds dirty. I don't know, it's just Greasy's Pies. But remember, that was the day when grease was coming out and Men had combs in their socks and they used to like <laughs> grease their hair. He used to answer the phone, Greasy's pies, Greasy speaking. It was like, go dad. Anyway, you were cool. Um, his pie shop was amazing apparently. Just before that, he used to waiter at the Victoria Hotel, which was established in 1936. How old is that, Joel? It's downtown PE, by the way. 1936. Now the thing about service is you don't get to choose who you're serving. You're just a waiter, and whoever comes through the door, comes to the bar, or sits in your section, is the person you serve. 
They could be a brother or sister, they could be a stranger, they could be a prisoner, a mistreated, a suffering, they could even be an angel. This tray came from that hotel in 1936. And it's got imprinted on it the Star of David because the hotel owner was a Jewish man. And I think he was just marking his territory and saying, please don't steal my tray. I don't know how my dad got it. I had nothing to do with that. I only came about in 82. Um, I don't think he stole it. There's one, there's one thing that stands out in here, in that scripture for me, and when, when I read it, it made me go like, whoa, what's that about? All of those people that you're serving, and then there's this entertaining of angels. Now, I don't know about you, but when you're in the scripture and you read something and it pops out like, oh, that's different. God might be saying something in that, so let's go and check it out. So I popped over to the NLT version of the Bible and, the, and it says, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for some have done this and have entertained angels without realizing it. Now, I love it when the Bible like, jumps from the New Testament to the Old Testament and there's like these little links. Jesus said this and he picked up on what a prophet was saying or a prophet was saying something like this and then Paul picks it up here and there and it just, it just makes the scripture rich and deep if you can find out what are they saying here. So, I started studying a little bit. Entertaining angels, what's this about? Genesis 18, I find the story of Abraham and Sarah. Entertaining angels. You know, this is the Abraham from kids' ministry days where it's like, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham, I'm one of them, so are you, so let's just praise the Lord. Right arm. You, you, you remember this? If you weren't in church, it was a song that we sang as kids, and before you know it, Father Abraham has so many sons, and your arms are going, your head's going, your legs are going, and you're turning in a circle. Um, I used to do that song every week, and I used to forget, why are we singing this and moving so much? Now I'm sweating. Father Abraham had many sons. Anyway, at this stage, in Genesis 18, Father Abraham and Sarah had no kids, um, and they were quite old. And I think they were beginning to wonder about this promise that they received some years before about their descendants being like the stars in the galaxy. They're like, well, now we're like granny and grandpa, no children. Genesis 18 says this, the Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre, and while he was sitting at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and he saw three men standing there. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of the tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. Now at first glance, there's nothing in here about entertaining angels. But at second glance, maybe read it again. The Lord appeared to Abraham and he saw three men standing there. He saw three men standing there. So I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Why are these two stories linked from Genesis 18 and Hebrews 13? I don't think it's about angels. I think it's about hospitality. I'll tell you the rest of the story. Abraham smashes hospitality out of the park. 
He goes over to the three men. He washes their feet. He's like, Sarah, honey, please, can you make some bread? He's going to get some meat. He offers them yogurt and milk, which came from the tent in the heat of the day. I was like, mm. <laughs> I don't know about that. Anyway, the Bible says, once the men were refreshed, they asked Abraham, hey, what's the deal with Sarah? Where is she? How's she doing? And then they say, Abraham, we're going to come back in a, year, in a year's time, and you're going to have a son. Sarah was overheard from the tent in the back laughing. <laughs> she giggles because I think she's thinking, I'm old. This womb is done. One year later, she had a son by the name of Isaac. The meaning of Isaac is one who laughs. Anyway, back to the angels. When last did you entertain an angel? Anyone? I entertain an angel every single day of my life. My beautiful wife, Debbie, she's sitting at the back there. Sometimes I dance for her. Sometimes I cook for her. Sometimes I look after the kids. She is my angel. Okay, jokes aside. I think the point here is for us not to get caught up with angels and the supernatural world at all, but more about an understanding that when we are hospitable, we have a chance to meet with God. The God, the big God from Hebrews chapter 12. We put ourselves in a prime position to meet with God. Now I want you to remember, hospitality is not entertainment. Entertainment's focus is on me, how good I look, how well I serve, how neat my house is, how tasty my food is. That focus is entertainment. Hospitality's focus is on God and on everyone else. And that brings me to my second object lesson, the binoculars. Hospitality is love. Binoculars are love. I love my binoculars. <laughs> I'd like to tell you a quick thing I learned this week, actually me and Pete learned this week, or maybe he knew it already. But when you wanna set binoculars properly, this is going to be free advice. Pay some attention if you want. Close your right eye, because you know binoculars have a focus ring, and then they have this other eye focus on the right eye. Close your right eye. Look through. So I'm closing it. Look through. Look at the same thing. Get it in focus. Okay, awesome. Now, close your left eye, and use this ring and get it in focus. Once the same thing is in focus, then for the rest of the day, all I have to do is just use the focus ring and I'm golden wherever I look. Focus. Many of you know that Deb and I really love Kruger. And often it's just that excitement, it's the slowdown, it's the like coming around the next corner, could there be a leopard? I don't know. Something awesome, someone awesome. Every now and again you come around the corner and you see a car stopped on the side of the road and, you, and your heart like flutters a little bit and you're like, yes, maybe there's something here. So you come up behind them really slowly. You don't want to like interrupt. 
if there's something awesome. And then you see this bumper sticker. <laughs> bird nerd. Or bird watching, move on. No, there's two types of birders in the world. I think we all end up being one or the other. The first one is the car that stopped there, they're really focused. You come up next to them, they've seen you in their rearview mirror, and they're like, oh, I'm definitely not speaking to this family, they've got three kids in the back. <laughs> um, and so you get there, they don't move from their binocs, they just stay still, and they hope you just get out of here. And they leave their window up, and you stop next to them, and all you want to say is, what are you looking at, bro? And they're not, they just... Then you get the other type. Probably like me. They're like, wave you down. Check it out, bro. A common turtle dove just on the left. <laughs> oh, my word. We also get those in Westville and all over. But it's so cool to show something, someone, I mean, someone something cool. Red crested Kohan just over here on the right. What about a lilac breasted roller? Or amazing, if anyone has seen this, I owe you a chocolate after this. A triple banded Corsa. Anyone? There was no one in the first service. None of your good birders. Jeepers. I consider myself to be that hospitable bird. I just want to connect and show you how awesome this is. I love Kruger. I love Binox. I love birds. I love my wife. And if, <laughs> I love a lot of things. And if Jesus was with me right now, he would say, Baz, don't forget. The greatest command is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And I'm like, ooh, yes, I got it. Hospitality can only work when we decide we're gonna take up the greatest command and we're gonna love our neighbor. That's what I want you to say. Focus, love. Who's my neighbor, you might ask? According to this scripture, Hebrews 1, brothers, sisters, strangers, mistreated, imprisoned, suffering, and angels. Paul's trying to say to us, everyone, guys, everyone is your neighbor. I don't know about you, but for me, I find it easy to love myself. I must work hard at loving my neighbor, and I must work hard at loving God. I need to spend more time in those two areas than in this area. The inertia of our lives automatically always goes inward and not outward. John Piper says this, the physical force of gravity pulls everything to the center of the earth. In order to break free from an earth-centered life, thousands and thousands of pounds of energy have been used to push a space shuttle away from the center. There's also the psychological force of gravity that constantly pulls our thoughts and our affections and our physical actions inward towards the center of our own selves and our own homes. And therefore, the most natural thing in the whole world is to neglect hospitality. It is the path of least resistance. All we have to do is heal to the natural gravity of our self-centered life and the result will be a life full of self that there is no room for hospitality.
So where does your focus lie? Is it on yourself? It's difficult to look at yourself with binocs. Can't focus. Are you looking at others or are you looking at God? Much easier to focus. There you have it. Hospitality is service. Hospitality is love. And finally, hospitality is costly. How many of you know that story from the Old Testament with the oil that never never runs dry? Anyone? You know the story. It's one of my favorites. Which one do you know? There's two. This, this might be your homework for today. There's two. In 1 Kings 17, there's Elijah and the widow and the oil. And in 2 Kings 4, it's Elisha and the widow and the oil. And it's like, guys, couldn't you have just used a separate name like Elijah, Elisha? It's like so close. We could have had Simon and Elijah or whatever. It would have been easier for us to remember. There's two stories about the oil. We're going to be focused on one of them today. And it's one of my favorite stories. It's 1 Kings 17. I'm going to read it to us. And then when you go home, you can do 2 Kings 4. That's the other one. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. And so he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was gathering sticks and he called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, and bring me please a piece of bread. I mean, the guy's just asked for water, now he wants bread. What more do you want? Dessert. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. All I've got is a handful of flour and a little jar of olive oil. I'm gathering sticks to go home and make my meal for myself and my son that we might eat and die. This widow is not in a good place. She's come to a low point and she's thinking in her mind, here's my last meal. We're going to go home and die. Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you've said. Uh, I just told you I'm going to die. And he's like, yeah, go for it. Before you do that, (laughs) just before you go and die, please first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then go make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain to the land. I'm sure that this widow was slightly skeptical. I know it said at the start that God put this in her heart, but still, it's my last little bit of flour and my last little bit of oil, and now this guy, who I hardly know, has asked me to give it to me first. Anyway, she went away and she did as Elijah had said to her. And so there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. 
Put yourself in this widow's position. Hospitality is not easy. It's hard and it takes effort. It puts us out sometimes and it's rather costly. It costs us our time. I don't know about you, but I feel like life is flying at a very, very fast pace. Many of you are super busy. You say to me, Barry, life is crazy. I'm running my own business. I've got three kids. I'm trying to fit in exercise every now and again. I just don't have the time to be hospitable. Do you know what I want to say to you? Make time. Make the time. We always make time for things that are important to us. And Jesus said to us, this is the greatest command. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. So make time. We do it for things that are important to us. Maybe you want to start small just by creating a bit of margin in your life. Instead of packing your life back to back every day, Monday to Friday, leave a bit of space and just say, God, I've put this space here. See where it takes me. Create some margin. Maybe it might feel fake, but put it in your diary. The last Saturday of the month, I'm going to schedule the afternoon for hospitality and say, God, bring someone along my path. Not your best friend. You can do that on all the other Saturdays. Hospitality costs us our time. It costs us our pride. Karen Burton Maines, author of Open Heart, Open Home, a book on hospitality, she wrote this. One morning, I decided to read a novel instead of doing my normal housework. And of course, a person from church stopped by. The place was a mess, dishes in the sink, toys everywhere, dinner plates on the dining room table, and the newspaper strewn on the floor. And as she went to the door, she could hear her father's voice in her ear saying, hospitality comes before your pride, my girl. Very easy to say when your house is clean, isn't it? Hospitality comes before your pride. And so she swallowed her pride, she opened the door, and she let the person from church in. After she came and sat down, this person said to her, I thought you were perfect. Now I know that we can be friends. And sometimes we need to just show people the real us. The stripped down, the messy home, the don't have everything together us. Not our prideful selves that look perfect. Hospitality costs time, it costs pride, it also costs money. Or does it? Is that just an excuse that we always use as people? The Bible isn't calling us to be hospitable when it's the day after payday and we've got spare. He's not calling, um, the Bible's not calling us to be hospitable when we've got extra cash flow or when we're wealthy or when we have excess. He's calling every single person to be hospitable. Remember, it's not entertainment. It's a heart for blessing God and a heart for blessing others. And like that widow who only had her last little bit, God still called her to be hospitable. Now if we go back to that scripture, you can see 
Hospitality is not just a costly thing. It's a huge blessing for both parties. The widow was provided for until the end of the famine. And her whole family, and Elijah. Everyone wins when we are hospitable. Hospitality is a command from all over the Bible. You can just go and Google hospitality Bible and you'll get so many verses. It's a command. And most of all, like that first story, it's a chance for us as God's people to meet with him. The big, powerful God from Hebrews chapter 12, when we bring him our acceptable worship of hospitality, we get to meet with him. So I wanna ask you today, as we wrap this up, what is stopping you from being hospitable? Do you need to make some space in your diary, schedule it in, leave some margin, see what God can do? Do you need to change your attitude towards strangers or those that have been in prison or are in prison? Those that are suffering, your brother or your sister? Can we, Homeground Church, these people here, those online, those in the first service and that are coming tonight, can we be a hospitable church that when people come in here, they feel the love, they feel the warmth, they don't feel estranged? I want to end with that same quote I started with, Horst Schultz. He says, people will forget our good service, but they will always remember our hospitality. I'm sure that you will forget this service. You'll forget how great the worship was. You'll forget these elements. But if today's your first time, in six months' time, you'll still remember how this place made you feel. And so church, I'm excited for this hospitality series where we can say, be my guest. I wanna love you as an act of worship to loving God. Next week, Jacques is gonna do part two and he's gonna give us some practical steps as to how we can do that more effectively. But this morning, I'd like to just end by praying for you. So let's stand together, and we're going to pray. God, thank you for this message. Thank you that you've called us to something better, something greater than our selfish ways. And God, I pray that we'd hear your word this morning, and that we'd put it into action as we love you this week. Solidify, cement it in our hearts, God. Because this is acceptable worship for the King. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.